everybody. Happy Sunday. I don't know if you know this or not, and this is a reminder to you all. Next week is Mother's Day. So if you have a mom that you love in your life, this is the time. I'm giving you a pre-warning to go out there and get your card, get a nice little gift for you together. I mean, you only have one mom. Uh, so let's, you know, I, should, I shouldn't say that. Everybody's got, sometimes we have more than one mom. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Just remember your mom, the one who's taking care of you growing up through the years, ones that have formed your life and uh, remember them and, and get yourself together. This week, we're going to be talking about some what some perceived problems that are going to be affecting the housing market in the coming months. I've had some questions that had come out about the bank failures and what that actually means for the housing market. And, that, you know, I've seen some videos out there that I find to be irresponsible when it comes to this. Um, so I'm going to be uh, showing you some articles about that. A little bit later on, we're going to be having a lender uh, on. His name is uh, Ryan LaRussa. He is, he's a little late to the party. So everybody give him guff when he comes in. You guys remember him. You guys had so many questions about lending uh, uh, stuff. So I was like, I'm going to give it to the lender. So he's coming in a bit late. <laughs> Just make sure you give him a bunch of guff when he does come in late. All right. So first things first, I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. I hope you uh, put that in the chat if you guys are having a great week. All I know is that it's hotter than Hades outside. And I, I don't know if you know, but I love to scooter and it's been unbearable to scooter. So I've been doing that like really really late. Oh, look, Lawnmower's even put his uh, Ryan's YouTube channel in. Thank you, Lawnmower. I appreciate it. So, Eddie, if you could throw up that first article that we have about the banks and the loans um, that are coming up. I actually have the article on this side so I can read it better because <laughs> it's hard for me to read on this screen. So I'm going to be reading it on this screen. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mortgage demand drops as bank failures hit jumbo, jumbo loan rates. So this is where you guys are going to be really concerned. And this is where uh, the most money has dropped as far as prices is, is concerned too. The average uh, contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with conforming loan balances of 726,200 or less decreased from to 6.5 from 6.55. Mortgage applications to purchase a home dropped 2% last week compared to the previous week. The spread between conforming and jumbo mortgages are narrowed once again. So those people that have those huge mortgages uh, are going to have a harder time getting their houses sold. The more, uh, mortgage demand from buyers has been erratic, to say the least, during the usually busy spring housing market. That is less likely today's buyers are hypersensitive to mortgage rates, which has been fluctuating wildly week to week, with, but which are still considerably higher than they were a year ago. Now, several bank failures are starting to make it more difficult for even the wealthier buyers. Mortgage applications to purchase a home dropped 2% last week compared to the previous week, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association seasonally, seasonally adjusted index. Demand was down, uh, was 30% lower than the same week a year ago. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with conforming loan balances of uh, 726000 or less decreased 6.5 from 6.55, with the points remaining at 0.63, including the original uh, fee, origination fee for loans with a 20% down payment. That rate was 5.36 the same week a year ago. So this is what I've been saying. That's why you're seeing the bigger houses see the biggest price drops. First of all, those buyers are going to have a tougher time getting approved for a mortgage. You're having less buyers 
that want to go ahead and take that on, they, those are the ones that are seeing the biggest price cuts. Those bigger houses are getting those. But us, you know, like here on this channel, we're looking for affordable housing options. These bank failures and mortgage changes have been uh, more harsh on us because we have not in the affordable housing range seen a big price drop. And then now they have all this craziness of if you're going to put down more money, you're going to get charged more of a fee to offset people that have bad credit. That was that thing that Biden came out with a couple of weeks ago. Nobody knows why that change was made. And there's been all sorts of things of like, where did this come from? And it was out of the blue. I mean, this is not like bank failures right now is not the same indication that it was in 2008. When we saw the bank failures then, we had an oversupply of homes, especially homes that were even smaller. So you were going to see a lot more supply of those homes drop in price. We don't have that today. So as these problems happen with banks, it's not affecting those people that are trying to buy their very first home. It's affecting people that have those big jumbo loans, those loans over 700000 That would not be my bank account, just FYI. <laughs> that would not be my bank account. So there's other problems too in the housing market. And the, those, are, those are more pressing. As much as we all want many of us are, who are looking for a, an affordable home, you know, we would love to see prices drop. The biggest problem we have right now with affordability is there isn't enough homes being built that are in that affordable range. So Eddie, if you could pull up the next article, I, I, I would greatly appreciate it. And so, um, I, I like, I know that like, everybody's like, Oh, it's going to crash. It's going to crash, but who's it going to crash for? Right. So if it crashes for the bigger houses, I mean, that isn't going to have a ripple effect down to the lower houses. Matter of fact, it could actually do the opposite. It could actually make them more expensive. Um, now the biggest problem in the housing market, this is uh, where this all came from. <laughs> Last year, mortgage uh, rates dominated the housing narrative and the now main actor appears to be inventory. Yep. Let, that's the takeaway from the host of data points revealed last week in such an unexpected increase in home prices and unforeseen drop in pending sales. And to that, home builders' first quarter results were surprisingly on the upside, underpinning all those metrics in the housing market, void of enough homes for sale. The result? Profitable break in home for bill home builders and their stock of investors. More misery for home buyers still hunting to de uh, for a deal before anybody else. And that is it. It's the supply and demand. We have pent up demand for those first time home buyers, those people that are trying to enter the real estate market. And we all know the corporate investors have bought up those smaller homes because they're easier to rent out. Um, the supply and demand real estate agent, uh, Main Street Properties told Yahoo Finance, what happens when the supply is low and the demand is there, you're going to see what's go what's happening, which is what home prices are going up. Yep. Yep. Uh, how bad is the shortage? New listings for sale uh, fell 22.4% nationwide for the previous year during the four, four weeks ending in, 20, uh, ending in April of 2023. Uh, one of the largest declines since the pandemic, according to Redfin. Uh, Realtor.com found the numbers of homes of new listed properties dropped 20% versus a year ago. So that, the people that bought a house are not looking to sell a house. If you have a house that's list, uh, you were, if you have a house, right, and it's a three bedroom, two bath, and you would love to move up, for instance, 
why would you move up to inherit a 6% mortgage rate when you have like a 2.5% or mortgage rate now? You're like, I'll just add something. I'll put an ADU in the backyard. He said, put it another way, if uh, homeowners are deciding to sell their homes in 2023, it was roughly on par with the numbers of 2020 when the early pandemic uncertainty caused many to put off major house-related decisions. Yeah, that's true. Of course, mortgage rates play a significant role in inventory. It's a big reason there aren't enough homes for sale because the current homeowners are declining, uh, are deciding against listing their houses. They don't want to give up their lower mortgage rate. They have now. Exactly. 100%. And that's the the inventory that we have an inventory problem. And it's mostly for homes that are small. And I can, I've, I've been sounding the alarm for this forever. And every time they're like, oh, housing prices have dropped 20% in our area. I'm like, yeah, but not for those first time homes. You can like show me the numbers. And then they show the numbers. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Look at your first time home buyer price, the median price for a first time home in Austin, Texas. It's still way high, way higher than it was when um, before the pandemic. You know, you see price drops in some of these hot markets. It's still way unaffordable. And that is a problem. We have a we have a problem. Uh, and that's the biggest problem. Unaffordability of rent, unaffordability of housing is going to cause a multitude of issues, not just, you know, not, but people need a place to live. If you don't have that provided for them, you're, you're, you're asking for more problems in your area. So, I mean, I want to get your opinion in, in the area. And what, what do you think? Do you think this is a problem or I would just be in a panicked for no reason? Lawmower says, I think if there's a crash bad enough to significantly lower home prices, there wouldn't be money around for people uh, to buy houses with. Well, after the last pandemic, I mean, after the last housing crash, the I, I will tell you the only people that were buying right at that moment when the banks started failing were investors. I mean, that, that kept my business going. Matter of fact, the guy who's going to be on here later, that lender, he, he and his friends were investing in uh, homes that were foreclosed on. I had another uh, friend of my daughter's, uh, her dad was buying up uh, homes that were have been foreclosed on. And some of them are a mess, man. Um, but it's it's different this time because there isn't a supply of houses. If the if the banks were to fail now, it isn't the same conditions that we had in the last housing crash. Not even close. Triathlete uh, New York said, "Question: Did you hear that Chase was bank was laying off mortgages and he and he's a and it's because of what's going on with the mortgage rates today." So the bigger banks like uh, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, those big banks, they used to do mortgages all the time. Now, you'd be surprised how little mortgages they write today. And <laughs> that, isn't, that isn't surprising to me that Chase would be laying off a bunch of people. A lot of, I will say this, they hired a ton of people during the pandemic because they had such a rush of so many people wanting to refinance their house. Because if you had a house, let's just say you bought it at 6% and the interest rates are at 2.5%, that would be the perfect opportunity for you to go ahead and refinance your house. So they had to hire more workers during that time. They had no choice. So now that that has definitely dwindled down to nothing, they're going to have to lay off some of those people because they have no work for them. I mean, you know, why would you have a warm body sitting in a seat that isn't doing anything? They have to lay them off. 
um, it doesn't surprise me in the least bit. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, appraisers aren't as busy as they used to be because they're not having to appraise the properties for refinances. Um, the same with, uh, you know, um, anybody that's in that kind of industry, there's been lots of layoffs because they're not doing as many refinances. It doesn't surprise me. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Can we reset the calendar to just call it 2020 year zero? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about you, Lawnmower, and I'm sure everybody could agree with this. I am so tired of living in unprecedented times. I really am. Can we just, can we get just have a day of like, I, I really just want boring news. I want a day where they're like, we don't have much to report. So let, let's look at some dandelions. <laughs> That would be so nice. But they would create something. If there wasn't anything, they'd make something up. That's how they are. They do that sometimes. <laughs> new building is not short uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. Everything, every new building in the last three years is not for working people. Working people cannot afford rents and these all these new builds. And that's the thing. You're exactly right. And most builders, most builders, it doesn't even matter where you live, aren't building those affordable homes. They haven't been because they have to make so much money across the spread. So they are making smaller lots for bigger houses because it will make them more money. And those smaller houses, even though they'd sell like hotcakes, it wouldn't make enough money for them to make it worth it. There used to be years ago incentives for people and builders to build more affordable homes. Those incentives aren't there. So if they gave tax, tax credits, incentives, um, less red tape and bureaucracy when it comes to those types of developments, we would have a lot more. And you know what's crazy about that is during the pandemic, I mean, during the last housing crash, the those little tiny first time home buyer uh, homes, those sold like hotcakes. Those bigger homes didn't sell during the last crash, you know? <laughs> they had a harder time. Oh my God. Look, it's Ryan LaRussa. He's not that late. He's only 15 minutes late. Ryan! Ryan's here. <laughs> What's up? What's up, Ryan? All right. Those who don't know, tell them a little bit about yourself. Ryan LaRussa with GMFS Lending. Go ahead. Tell them, tell them a little story about yourself. Hey guys, good to meet you or good to see you again. I don't think I'm meeting some of you guys maybe for the first time. Uh, been doing this mortgage game since 2001. So kind of seen a bunch of different markets. Uh, been with the current company I'm with now for 16 years. And uh, super excited to join y'all today. Just kind of fill you in on what we're seeing, what's going on and uh, go from there. So Ryan, um, the Fed came out recently and said some stuff, you know, Jerome Powell flapped his lips. What does that mean for the housing market after he got done? Yeah. So for the housing market, I mean, I, honestly, uh, this week is a big week. I think we'll see a lot of inflation data that's really going to turn in a positive way. Uh, we all knew that he was going to increase the rates by a quarter of a percent. Uh, definitely has already overdone it. Um, we were just not giving the system enough time to catch up. But these increments of rate inc increases honestly do really well for us on the mortgage side. That actually helps mortgage rates because it helps fight inflation. So mortgage rates uh, back in October, November, you know, we were in the mid sevens and now we're in the upper fives right around 6%. So 
I'm okay with kind of where things are. I do believe that things are going to get uh, even better on the back half of this year. Um, but again, mark your calendars next week, May the 10th. Uh, there should be some good, good, good inflation data to come out. I know as consumers, myself included, we're all ready for, uh, for that inflation to kind of start, you know, heading back on the south, south direction, which I, I feel that to happen real quick. But as far as him coming out with his comments and saying what he says, you know, it always stirs the market up, but that's what they want. Uh, you know, I think, I think if we didn't believe that, then, then you're probably not living in reality. Um, you know, the, the fear sells, uh, but I can tell you that the market in general right now, uh, really over the last, uh, since about February, January was a little slower, but February wide open, goodness gracious, March, April, and May has been unbelievable. We've been super, super busy. That is, that's the thing. It's been super, super busy yeah. and people don't want to believe it. You know, they always are like, oh, I read in the newspaper that like, you know, their mortgages are down, but I'm like, but it's mortgages for those houses that are over 700,000, you know, right. if you're in that first time home buyer range or that lower end, you know, not the, not the big, big mansions, the, right. the, the smaller houses are pumping, you know, those first time. I said this in my past video and you can tell me if you agree. I said, no matter what the market is, first time home buyers always keep it afloat. Yeah, they do. And, and I tell you the, the crazy part about it, you know, and I know you're, you're, you and I think a lot the same, the, the affordability is a big issue. Um, but, but the, the rent prices are the bigger issue. And so as long as the rent prices remain, which they are where they are, you're going to have tons of people that are like, man, I'm no longer going to rent. I'm going to buy. So, you know, we've seen, I think last year was a good, was a good call uh, to kind of, I'm a big numbers guy. So I can tell you that my average loan amount went up last year alone, right at $38,000, which is the largest increase that I've ever seen over my 21 year career doing this. Uh, but, but the point of the story of it is, is, you can't rent anything for, for an affordable price. And so while yes, the, the inventory side and yes, you know, home prices are more expensive. Uh, what's our option, you know, and, and a lot of people I know in our market, Christina, but I do business in about nine or 10 different States and the amount of equity that people are sitting on because of when they bought to where they are today. Now I'm starting to see those folks say, Hey, yeah, I had the lower rate and yeah, rates are higher, but I'm sitting on a ton of equity. So I'm ready to make that move. That's kind of where, where my business has seen uh, a big jump this year. Um, just simply because it's a, it's a dollar and cents thing. They're like, Hey, I'll buy it. I don't really love the rate. We have been doing a bunch of the two, one buy downs. Um, but, but doing that and giving themselves an opportunity to, to make that move and they're selling that house super quick. I'm going to tell you, I know, you know, this, but if the house is priced right, and, and I'm saying price right, like under that 350 all the way, you know, down to whatever, 150 to 350,000, if it's mm -hmm. priced right, multiple offers, same day, no closing cost. I mean, you know, which if you flip the news on, you don't hear anything about that. You just hear that, oh my gosh, the housing market's in trouble and this, that, and the other, which that doesn't sell. That's why. That's right. That's it doesn't right. sell. They they want to hear doom and gloom. Beth R yeah. says the more unaffordable housing becomes, the more we'll see hom homeless population will grow. That's true. Because if you look at like uh, Portland, 
they have like a whole community of people living in campers along the road all the way down. And a lot of them are working, working people, working right. people. They just can't find an affordable place to live. So they live in campers along the road. Right, right. It's true. I mean, as much as as much as we hate to like in L.A., they have a whole block just filled with people that can't find a place to live. Now, do all of them want are working? No, there's a lot of there's a good portion of Americans that are living out of their car, but still working. I mean, it's sad. This is the unaffordability is getting out of hand. Um, It says, hey there, I have been on the fence about moving forward on a modular because the builder said, what I could have gotten for 200,000 pre-COVID is now 300,000. Do you think the cost will drop next year? Um, well, you know, manufactured home building is in a different, unique situation. And if you had told me during the pandemic that manufactured homes would come down in price the following year, I would have told you crazy. Well, they actually did. They actually came down in price because of the fact that building materials became less for them. So they actually passed that on to the consumer. Blew my mind. That is very possible for modular homes as well. Um, they're both made in a manufactured plant. So it's possible. I don't, I can't guarantee it though. Right. <laughs> well, I'll I, I tell you, they've, they've got some, some modular homes and things like that that are nicer than some of the single family homes. The problem that, that we see is the financing ability is very small, uh, you know, and so if, if it's a single wide, double wide, even a triple wide bit, that's even smaller. But the modular homes, we we actually do them. The Jim Walters, Clayton homes, things like that. It's just a it's, it's a little bit of a different financing opportunity. So when you have different financing opportunity, unfortunately, that kind of shrinks your comparable sales down, which ideally could could affect your resale. So um, that, that's- But I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off there for a second because I'm uh, this is my wheelhouse. So yeah. with those bigger brands, they create something called a modular hybrid, which mm-hmm. isn't a true modular, right? right? So if you're building a true modular, it's built to the same specifications, if not better than a traditional built home. If right. it's a true modular, it finances, it should finance. There shouldn't have an issue with right. financing because it's exactly like a regular house it's just put together. The rooms are put together the same. I mean, like it's the same. same. It's just the rooms are put together on a, in a factory. But the, the ones with the bigger name brands, companies, they make something that's kind of not a true modular. They call it a hybrid. They call it a, um, they call it all sorts of different names. They just try to repackage something that isn't true, a true modular home. Right. So, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I know that financing can be difficult when you have something that isn't truly a true modular. Yeah. You know, that, that makes more sense. For sure. Um, anyways, Sarah Austin says, any opinions online, only banks like Chime and SoFi, et cetera? Do you have any opinions about those? Um, I, I, I mean, I really don't. You know, I, I think I was catching you as I was traveling. I was catching you talking about the bigger banks and, and you know, what all is going on with the, some of those bigger banks and the mortgages and all that stuff. I mean, any of your, it's it's no secret with, with the larger banks, they never like to do mortgages to begin with. Now that mortgages are down and the reason why, you know, their, their box is really small. And if it doesn't fit just right, they're just going to give you a runaround because they don't want to do it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. 
and, and they don't want all the regulations and, and things of that sort. And they're, and they're packaging a lot of those loans off and selling them. But as far as some of your online guys, I, I'll be honest, I probably get three or four loans a month come across my desk that can't get closed. They were promised one thing and it's a different and this, that, and the other, because that's just not their wheelhouse. It's not what their banks are not in the business to do mortgages. They don't want to do mortgages. They want to lend money on your cars, your CDs, your, you know, all the different things like that, your short-term loans. They don't want to do any of the long-term. So that's my opinion on the online stuff. I, uh, I, and the other thing too, is that, um, I don't know if you saw recently, like there's a, they're, they're claiming that like, there's a bunch of foreclosures that are supposed to hit the market. I saw the foreclosure rates, Eddie and I were looking at this. And if you look at the numbers, they're still not at pre pandemic levels. Right. <laughs> and then if, and in the wave of foreclosures were some of the ones that were held up during that time during the pandemic. So they were like, they should have been foreclosed on in 2019. They had, you know, all the stalls and you know, banking that happened during the pandemic, they've all kind of caught up. And now we're seeing those homes that finally hit the market. But I think everybody should be aware. And, and you know this, Ryan, that when you see those numbers, that doesn't mean that you'll ever see that house actually hit the market. In a lot of cases, those banks have already sold it or going to sell, sell it to an investor prior yeah. before it ever hits the market. Isn't that true, Ryan? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or they're going to, you know, they're going to run the price they're going to buy it back and then they'll they'll say, hey, look, at the end of the day, they know the type of equity that they're sitting on on it as well. They'll go in there and fix it up and put it on the market and create try to try to you know create inventory and some revenue coming back. So, yeah, it's 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 tough to get them for sure. Um, like stock paint, stock carpet, you know, yeah. throw a little paint on the shutters and then put a for sale sign on the front. Yeah, absolutely. Because they already had equity in it. You've bought some you've bought some foreclosures in your day. <laughs> We've had a we've had a few. We have had a few for sure. What happened to the incentives? What kind of incentives are you talking about? Now every state has always has some kind of like bond program, incentive program, whether it be like for first time home buyers or you know um, what they call like critical care uh, physicians or anything like that. They always have something, but you have to check. That's why it's always good to check with a local lender because those big banks have no idea. What that is that's why you always should go local with a lender yeah i'm, I'm seeing a ton of uh, i mean we have a ton of the um incentives i mean I, I could go on for for a while but i mean there's a ton of first-time home buyer there's bond money down payment assistance money teachers have a certain you know uh benefit this first responder program that we're doing i mean there's mm -hmm. a lot of incentives out there and then to be honest with you um I do have a couple right now that are new construction and the builder is still paying quite a bit uh, to move the property. Uh, now these are a little bit higher price. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, for, you know, mid, mid fours to 500,000. Mm -hmm. um, but that's but, a lot here, by the way. You yeah, know, I, I, do know, I do know that some of your, you know, some of your track builders and things like that are, are still advertising pretty heavy. Uh, which they weren't doing that during the pandemic, that mm -hmm. they're, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 in closing costs on a 250 to $300,000 price. We're, we're seeing that. Mm -hmm. uh, living in Palm Desert says here in Palm Desert Springs area, we were seeing a lot more apartment complexes being built now, not so much single family uh, residents. I'm going to tell you why. So like at the end of last year, probably right, I mean, 
midway through the year, they they saw that they were like, oh my gosh, the market's going to crash. You know, building materials are so expensive. We're going to get out of the single family and we're going to go into multifamily since we can go ahead and start that and get paid now. You know, some of these areas have already been cleared and ready to be built on. So they, they are going to fill in the gap with a bunch of multiplexes, uh, you know, apartment complexes, all uh, townhomes. I mean, they, they got into the multifamily. They just skipped town on single family because they were afraid of what was happening in the single family market and they started building. So some areas will see some rent prices come down. But if you don't have a ton of building when it comes to apartment complex, it's going to take forever. It's going to take forever to see rent prices come down again, unless there's a financial disaster somewhere else. Like if the jobs market tanks tomorrow, then we could see uh, home prices hit, take a hit because people wouldn't be able to pay their mortgages. That's, that's what I think. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, I, I do believe, well, just Friday was a good, was a good indication. The jobs report came out super strong. I mean, there's going to be somewhat of a correction there, but going back to the, to the multi family, I mean, in Louisiana, where, where I do a lot of business, I mean, you just don't really see it. And when you do see the multifamily, you see these being sucked up by the investors. So they like the multiples uh, on that. But the single family resident stuff that is being built is, is selling super fast, for sure, for sure. What do, you think, I, what do you think about commercial real estate? Do you think that that's going to take the biggest hit in the next year or so? Because so many people decided to work from home. I think that the commercial angle is definitely it's in a weird spot. Yes. And the reason why I think it's in you got to think who holds most of the commercial real estate. That's your banks. The banks mm -hmm. are under the most scrutiny. Right. So if I bought a building five years ago and I bought it at four and a half, five percent, most of those loans uh, are on a three to five year, even a seven year call, meaning they've got to refinance it. They got to do something different. So those loans are going to mature at a higher rate. So yes, I think you're going to see uh, that take a little bit of a different angle. I think office space and, and things like that because of people working from home. Um, but, but, you know, I think you will see a mix up in the commercial space, probably more than the residential for sure. Uh, but the biggest reason I believe is based upon the regulations that a lot of these banks uh, are about to be under. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's what we're seeing. So just recently, there was a an adjustment to people that were putting down a certain amount of money. They would get an additional fee if they were putting more money down and their credit score was higher. Why was that even brought into play? And do you think that was a smart move to help people get into a house? Well, you know, anything when it comes out initially, it brings major panic and shock, right? That's mm -hmm. what happened. But I'll back up in January, uh, FHA, uh, which, you know, is typically catered to your lower credit score bars, but does have the highest delinquency or the highest foreclosure rate. If you start looking at the numbers really high, mm -hmm. the upfront mortgage insurance was brought down quite a bit. And then the monthly mortgage insurance was reduced a ton, too. I didn't, I mean, I understand it's okay to help with more affordability and get people in houses. But again, if that's your highest foreclosure rate, if you will, why would you do that on that? So it was surprising, but this has not been something new. This has been something that's been trying to be pushed down for quite some time. Um, 
I don't particularly care for it, but there is a workaround. So most people are calling me panicked out. Oh my gosh, you know, why would somebody with an 800 credit score putting 20% down be penalized? Mm-hmm. I don't have that answer. I think it's foolish as well, because I think you should be rewarded if you have 20% down and you have a great credit score. However, that's not what FA, you know, not uh, um, the, it's called LLPA, the loan pricing adjustment says, mm-hmm. but if you put 5% down, so we hold our loans, let's say you put 5% down, you can avoid that entire hit. And then you could come back in 30 days or 60 days and dump the money down that you initially wanted to put down and not take the hit. So there's plenty of workarounds, but everything gets highlighted on, oh my gosh, it's going to affect mortgages. It'll affect some. It's, I'll be honest with you. I've been doing this for a long time. There's not a whole lot of people that when I do a loan, want to put 20% down, especially now when you can go put your money in a very safe, secure, fixed you know, money market account and say, hey, I can make three and a half to five percent of my money. So your smarter conventional clients are like, man, the mortgage insurance is super inexpensive because most people think it's super expensive. I want to hold on to my money. I'm going to put it over here in this account and I'm going to make this and I'm going to roll with it. So there's plenty of workarounds. But no, I don't like it. I don't think uh, I honestly I didn't like the change that FHA made at the beginning of the year either. Because again, if you're looking at it from a from a global perspective, if that's your higher default fault, you're kind of rewarding those people. But the, but the reason is, hey, look, we want to kind of spread out the risk. We want to be able to help more. If it's really that's what they say, we want to help people get into homes and and widen that that gap. Let's do it. You know, <clears throat> so that's that's kind of what we're seeing right now. But it's not it's not. I promise you. The percentage of business I'm in, I'm in the uh, due diligence right now looking at that. I would say, and I could be wrong, but it's probably about five to seven percent of actual conventional clients that are putting 20 percent down anyway. Jim has a question. He said, the gentleman said the houses are selling fast with no closing costs. Who's eating those closing costs? The buyer? So the buyer is definitely paying their down payment and their closing costs for sure. Um, now, when I say no closing costs, I will tell you this, that I have seen people negotiate on price, but not negotiate on price and pay closing costs. Does, does that make sense? Right. So they instead they'll they'll give them like uh, the house is two seventy five. Uh, they'll say, I'll buy it for 250. And then they'll say, we don't want any closing costs or they'll keep it at 270 and want five or 10,000 or 6,000 in closing costs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing, we're not seeing both. So yeah, you're Mm -hmm. seeing, Hey, like right around asking price. Hey, I'm gonna give you full asking price, but I need 5,000 closing or Hey, I'm coming five to 10 grand off, but you're not getting any closing. So, but again, if you're looking at the numbers, the person selling it bought it three to five years ago for what we thought at that time was a premium. And then they're in turn, they're looking at their equity position saying, man, I'm going to make this sell. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go buy something else. And and that's what we've been seeing quite a bit of. I had a seller years ago that um, she was selling her house and she was like, um, okay, she gets the offer. It's 360,000 and they want 5,000 in closing costs. And she's like, no, I'm not giving closing costs. They can buy it for 360. So we do the counter offer. 
And so they were like, okay, 365 with 5,000 in closing costs. Because I already said I wasn't giving them any closing costs. And I'm like, I understand it's the same amount of money. It's the same amount of money. You, you're literally getting the same amount. They're right. just adding it to the mortgage. Right. I mean, we, I, I went round and round. Like I had to like write it out on a piece of paper. Like it's literally the same amount. And she's like, no, I'm just not giving closing costs. I'm not going to do that. Why, why don't they have that money? And I'm like, <laughs> finally, finally her like grandkids came in and like, they're like, grandma just signed. Yeah. <laughs> finally did it. We know it. <laughs> but that like she would just thought that was just terrible that they couldn't they would that she had to pay closing costs. She's yeah. like, I don't want to pay them to buy my house. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I understand. <laughs> and a lot of times your your the mentality is well, I'm just not gonna do that. And then and then again, we gotta let the emotion die down and say, Hey, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Or is it really that big of a deal to make this sale go based upon you bought it for this and now it's worth this? And look, I understand. Everybody's got a hot button, but sometimes people just get fixated on what they're not going to do rather than, well, let's look at the entire situation, see if this really makes good financial sense. Right. <laughs> Triathlete New York says, question. So, Ryan, are you saying that the modular homes that people are buying uh, or hard to finance the normal the normal homes? Just inquiring because I live in a tiny home. So are they harder to finance? Well, True modular? Yeah, true modular, no. So Christina did bring up a great point earlier and I thought about that. So I get a phone call probably, I don't know, two or three times a week saying, hey, I want to buy uh, a modular home. And I know that for the longest time, there was a lot of confusion on, hey, people would call a double wide a modular home. Now I'm telling you, the, the single wide, double wide, triple wide, very difficult unless you go directly to your to your dealer. Um, the modular homes are not a dip. We do them. The big thing on that right now is we're trying to get comparables to make sure that the price matches what's going on there. Right. So yes, it is looked at just like a regular home and all this, that, and the other, but in most cases, from what we see, those are kind of a little bit on the outskirts. Hey, they might be on an acre of land or a couple acres of land, something like that. So that comparable sale to match the price point that we're trying to go after, we've just seen a little bit of a lag there, but nothing to be alarmed about. Um, but as far as financing them, yeah, if, if they go FHA or, or VA or conventional or, or even rural development, no problem there. But the appraisal we've seen, because it's a little bit of, you know, it, it's it's kind of, I don't want to say newer, but it is a newer thing on the, on the, on the scene. Wouldn't you agree? I, I just think it's an un, a, like uninformed, like they don't understand it's a, it's the same as a regular house. It's just right. it just happens to be the rooms are made in a factory. But once it's put together, there's like structurally, uh, material wise, everything is the same. But you do have to go to the appraisers and say this is a true modular, not not a. <laughs> This right. isn't a manufacturer. It doesn't have a plate. It doesn't, have, you know, like it didn't come in on a on a chassis. You know, like there's no wheels cut off. Like this is a true modular. And right. many times when they go out there and they look at it, they're like, oh, 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 okay, I see. You know, but it takes yeah. them a minute because they they'll look at that and they're like, <laughs> I know yeah. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You like my cup? I love your cup. <laughs> Uh, Diamond Rush Media says, what is the lowest income that can buy a home today? What is the lowest income that someone can buy a home today with good credit, I'm assuming? With, let's just say over 750 credit score. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, it really depends. It's a great question. It really depends on what kind of debt load they have on their credit. You know, if they have zero debt and uh, trying to trying to buy a house, the the max debt to income ratio, I'll flip it this way. The max debt to income ratio you can get qualified is about 55%. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, is if you got $2,000 a month in income or, you know, yeah, just make 2000 then all of your payments combined, including your new mortgage payment on credit, couldn't be more than about $1,100 a month. So um, we can't discriminate for age or income and all this, that, and the other. The debt to income ratio just has to line up. So it, it really depends uh, on how much debt is on credit. And we just look at the minimum payment. So you could have several credit cards, but the minimum payment could be 10 or $15 a month. You're only counting the minimum payments, not the actual balance. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Johnny O with a hundred dollars super, super chat. chat. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Every week he comes in. Super chat. Gives me a, a little reward for doing a live stream. You're gonna miss me next week, Johnny, because I'm I'm taking Mother's Day off. Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to spend time with my kids. I'm gonna make them spend time with me. Actually, let's just be honest. I'm gonna. I bought everybody in the family a scooter, and everybody's gonna get on their scooters, and they're all gonna ride around with me because it's my day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I um, I you know when we were when you were saying that it's eleven hundred dollars a month. I'm thinking, what can house would you even be able to find yeah. at eleven hundred dollars a month around here? Like, I, I, I can't even think of a house you could find around here for that amount of money. I've got one. I've got one right now. You know, it's funny to say that little town home right now off of Den- in Denham. I think it's one hundred and thirty-eight or one hundred forty-two thousand. All in taxes, insurance, and everything. He's putting three and a half percent down. It's right around thousand fifty. So. I mean, I, I look. They're not it's difficult to find. Yeah, they're they're not they're not a dime a dozen. No, but they but they are out there, and uh, and people are you know able to find them and and make it happen. You know. So it says question Ryan. A lot of tiny home builders are building modular homes that are now considered modular homes. You have to have a square footage uh, requirement, that right? Don't you? You talking to me? Yeah. So the square footage, I I haven't ran into this yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, there is some sort of a square footage requirement, but it's not much. It's, it's not, it's not really big. What's it, what's an average square footage on a tiny home, Christina? Average. Oh, they're, they're way, they're under 400 square feet. Okay. I think it's, I think it's five or 600, I think is the, uh, is the minimum, but I'll, I'll find out and I'll shoot you a message so you can share with your audience. Yeah, I I think. I think there, I think it has to be 600 square feet for VA. I think I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Sundancer says I sold my cabin in North Georgia. Was it in Rabin County? I used to live there (laughs) after two days on the market and we closed on Thursday. I'm a little concerned about where to put my money. Any advice? Well, I can just tell you what I do. Um, And so in Christine, I know because I was listening you mentioned this, um, you know, with all the uncertainty and everything like that, let's just call it what it is. I mean, you flip whatever whatever story you want to read, we can navigate that way. But I can tell you this. I've been buying property since 2007, okay? Mm-hmm. And the investments that we've made, 
people are always going to buy real estate. You know, that's just what it is. And not because that's what I do, because I'm, I'm, I have a lot of different businesses that I'm in. But my true advice is I'm putting my money in real estate. I was <laughs> I was at an event this past week and, uh, you know, I, I go to work. I come home. I don't watch the news a whole lot. I just don't. I, I just I focus on what I do. Right. But they were talking about the instability of the the money system and all this that, and the other. And people are just getting wound up about something like I'm like, well, number one, I can't control that. What can I control? I can control what goes into my mind and what I do with the things that I do day to day. And people are either going to buy real estate or they're going to rent from you. So for me, that's the way I've always looked at it. I'm like, hey, there's no investment out there that I think anybody would sit there and say, oh, that's a safe investment. But there's a pretty historical, if you go back and look, and I and I listen to some of the smartest guys out there. Warren Buffett, pretty smart guy, right? Probably one of the wealthiest guys out there. What does he say? He said he put his money in real estate. There's yeah. a lot of other folks out there that if you look at where wealth is built, wealth is built in real estate. Now, I, I think it would be foolish to put all of your money in residential real estate. I think there'll be an opportunity in commercial real estate, but I think commercial real estate for the longest time has not really had a true adjustment. I think that's going to come with these banks that are kind of under some of the scrutiny uh, that they're under. But for me, I put my money in real estate, not just because this is what I do every day. I just, I like it. And I think it is a safer more secure availability to, to put your money in. I'm certainly not going to put my money in the bank and make and think that, hey, wow, I did mention earlier, three to 5% is a good rate, but that's not, I mean, that's not going to last forever. We all, we all could agree. I, rates are going to come back down. I think you're going to be looking at rates in the low to mid fives on 30 year fixed money. And when that happens, these banks are not going to be able to pay you, you know, three and a half to 5% in a money market account. That's just not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. My thought is real estate. I'd be I'd be open to hear. What's your thought, Christina? Where 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 would you say a safe play would be to put your money? First, I want to say thank you to Triathlete New York uh, for giving us a super sticker that says "work on it" <laughs> with a little computer screen. Work. <laughs> um, I I'm always say uh, put it put it back in real estate. Like I have a uh, you know I have some little homes off to the side here, and I always say that's my kids' inheritance. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, if they're not going to continue to build homes, I want them to have the opportunity to have a house in the future. So they have that those houses that will be given to them and they can decide what to do with them. If they want to live in it or sell it, they can they can choose what they want to do. And that's their inheritance. Everything else belongs to me. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think it's a it, it's a good way to build wealth. I mean, Warren Buffett's not an idiot. And as a matter of fact, he he invests in um affordable housing options like manufactured homes. He owns Clayton Homes and he also owns Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> so right. he's he's all tangled up into real estate. Always yeah. has been. That you know, be, but you I, want to know something about him? He lives in the same house, the very first house he ever bought. Yep, he does. So that would be what I would call a clue. So uh, I like to follow clues and I like to follow the money. And most of the guys that I run with or mastermind with, if you really break it down to the core, the majority of what they have is is built in, around and in real estate. So that's that's kind of what I would look at at doing. You know, people are like, well, what what you know is the, is it the right time? 
I've never tried to time the market. I think that if you're if you put money in the stock market and you try to time it, what? It's not going to make sense. Never, 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 never going to make sense. But it's the long term play of what am I trying to accomplish? If I put money in today, where do I want to be in three to five years? Always have an exit strategy. And that's what we do with a lot of our clients. And that's why I love what I do is because it if you look at it in the moment, it's always, well, I could talk my way in and out of every single deal. But if you look at it in three to five years, just based upon statistics and data, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you might not have that 25, 30. You might have to, that crazy return on your money, but you're going to get a return on your money at some particular point in time. So They're like, what's the difference between a good real estate transaction and a bad trans, uh, real estate transaction? And I said, it doesn't matter after 10 years. <laughs> Within 10 years, it all washes out. That's right. Uh, Rude Paul says that Lennard in tech, Lennard, the builder in Texas, is offering huge discounts in Houston, San Antonio with discounts on mid-priced homes in the 300K or lower range, offering a rate down buy downs and 10K towards closing costs paid. That's fantastic. We don't have that here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that you have a lot of, uh, I'll, I'd love to comment on that real quick because I think this is something that, that the consumer needs to know. And, uh, and I just try to do a, a job of educating people every single day when I talk to them. Deal Horton, DSLD, Level Homes, Alvarez, any of the builders that we deal with around here pretty much do the same thing when you break it down to the core, okay? They want you to use their title company, their lender, their insurance company, their appraisal, everything. They want to control the transaction for multiple reasons. And in some cases, we'll only pay the cost if you use those folks. I can tell you, and I do a couple of months from all of the builders I just mentioned, that all they're doing is typically inflating either the title cost or the interest rate in order to absorb it, if you will. So if today's rate 6%, they're charging six and a quarter. Well, I could get you a 5.875 or so versus six and a quarter. You just decide which route you want to go. But the big thing about all of it is, is you got to decide who you want to deal with, go with, if it's the builder and you feel like you're going to get the best communication, go with it. But I would ask some, some questions like, Hey, who's going to service this loan? Uh, if I need something, who's going to be available? That's a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. Your mortgage is sold three or four or five or six different times. You have no idea what the heck's going on. That creates problems, which could create something to mess up on your credit. If you missed a payment or something like that. So Yes, I am seeing that, but I'm seeing more and more of these builders really pushing to use their folks, which the client's like, well, I got to use their builder to get, I got to use their people to get the discount. That's not true. You do not. Uh, because any, any good mortgage person can accomplish the exact same thing by, hey, it, I'll tell you, I'll be straight up. Hey, today, Christina, you qualify for 5.875. I can do the 6,000 in closing costs, but the rate's going to be six and a quarter. You right. tell me which one you would like to do. And then I'll let you decide. So that's super important. But I do know a lot of builders across the country, they want to move product. And if you have a good agent or somebody representing you that's a pit bull and say, hey, they already were pre-approved with ABC lender. I still need you to do this. They're going to do it, but they're going to fight you along. But if you twist their arm, they want to sell that product at the end of the day. So yep. uh, that's, that's what I've seen. And I've been seeing that for a long time. 
Got another super sticker with that little <laughs> little thumbs up. They, they, they wrote sorry. They were just saying we did a great job. They didn't, oh, mean, they didn't mean for you to say you'd go to work. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Triathlete New York. <laughs> Serenity Cow says, question, I read an article reporting that some corporate investors are selling properties and have stalled buying. Any thoughts on this? Well, they stalled buying because uh, mortgages were uh, more more expensive, you know? Some of them too bought houses at market cost, what they found on the internet, you know, like, cause apparently they thought everything they printed on the internet is true and they didn't do their little due diligence to find out how much they should be paying for houses. And they were hired a bunch of people to say, okay, well, they're asking this, we'll offer this. So we win the bid. They got, you know, they got stuck with it. I don't think there's going to be a problem with institutional investors and their supply of homes. Some may sell some product in some areas, but they know that they they have something that will constantly bring them revenue in. They're not worried about it. They bought a, a lot of them bought it cash. So if they stalled, who cares? They've already taken a big chunk of of uh, real estate in, in some of the hottest markets, especially in the South and Sun Belt. It means nothing to them because they're going to be making money for years down the road. Yeah. I mean, like when people say, oh, it's institutional investors paused. Who cares? I mean, they already they already caused a, a lot of damage, especially yeah. for the first time home buyer. What do you think? No, I, I think uh, you're you're exactly you're right on. I mean, look, they're, they're in the business to make money. I mean, at the end of the day, if they look at it and say, hey, we bought it, it didn't it didn't work exactly the way I, I wanted it and they sell it and they recoup their cash to go do it in something else. That's, that's normal. Right. I mean, I don't think there's anything crazy. Um, but I, I mean, they're not, they're not in any, any bind cause you are correct. A lot of those REITs and hedge funds and things like that, you got to think they're invested in a lot of other things. They're not totally sold out to real estate alone. So if that arm is not doing well, or maybe this arm's doing better than the other, and they're like, hey, we want to sell this and go dump more money in there. That's what they do. So uh, that's been, but but the truth be told, that's been happening for a lot. Yes, it's elevated and all, but, but everything's hypersensitive right now. But that's been happening for years. That's not mm -hmm. nothing new. Again, going back to what we just said, the wealthiest of the wealthy put their money in real estate for a reason, because they know that it's a return. Is it a risk? Sure. But so is investing in crypto. So is investing in stock market. So is investing in anything. Do you so have crypto? Do you have any cryptocurrency? I do. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> and every time I open that up, I went, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> took that away. Hey, hey, it was the thing to do. Just go get you some, right? Why not? Uh, I, whatever. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. It's there. You know, it may come back. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. Might. <laughs> It's a little painful. We're just going to not open that app anymore. That's right. That's right. Serenity Cow says, any thoughts on personal savings rate have dropped uh, considerably? Have you have you seen that? The rate of personal savings have dropped considerably? Well, that has to do with the, the inflation rate, right? I bought a bag of chips. No lie. Bag of chips. Stacy's chips at the Walmart. $8 for a bag of pizza chips. I yeah. nearly... Like I was, I, but I had to buy them because it was for the specific dip that I make. I was like, this is ridiculous. They yeah. didn't even have any off brand. I would have bought them off brand. Well, I think the other thing going back to the savings rate, here's, here's what I see. And I deal with people's finances every single day, but the last three and a half or four years, people had a lot of money because of PPP and all the money that was given out and all this, that, and the other that's since then gone away. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, 
were buying crazy stuff. I mean, you couldn't find a boat. You couldn't find a four-wheeler. You couldn't find cars. So all of that free money that was rolling through is stopped. And I'm not saying people's savings uh, have went away. I'm just saying that the artificial number that was that we all looked at over the last couple of years wasn't true true anyway. The rate shouldn't have been what it was. The savings amount that everybody had shouldn't have been what it was because that really wasn't truly their money. I mean, that was that was money that was given. Now, yeah, do things cost more now? Absolutely, they do. But but the truth of it is, people were 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 spending money like it was going out of style on stuff that, at the end of the day, questionable if they really needed it. Well, here's the thing, though. I will say the mindset of some people are like, we're going to die anyway. We might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of at that point. I remember laying in bed going like, why am I doing all this? Yes. You know, yeah. If I'm going to go outside, we're all going to turn into zombies next week. What? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like that. Oh, thank you, Alex. Look for the 9.99 Super Chat. I appreciate you supporting the channel. If you have any questions, uh, just make sure you put it in the chat and Eddie will put it up on the screen for you. I appreciate the support, though, very much. Yay, people are so good to me. Uh, Triathlete New York has another question. It says, question, do you know of any tiny home mortgage companies that refinance become, mine is a by 21st mortgage and just thought I'd ask. I don't personally, but I'll find out this week on what the minimum square footage is for FHA, VA, conventional, rural development, all those things. And I'll let Christina know, because I think that is something that, that that's a great question. I'll find mm -hmm. out. I, I don't know that that answer. Well, that that is an answer. You don't know. That is an answer. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes that's the only answer you can get. I'll, I don't yep. even know now, but I'll know later. There you go. <laughs> So um, I was looking to see like uh, the the housing crash bros have still kept up their their speed with this, and here we are now uh, in the spring season, and we're not like there still isn't a crash. Do you right. know that there's only out of I think they said ninety six markets are still uh, seeing an increase, and only I think it was I'm sorry, I know there's only seven markets that are only that are decreasing in price, right. but those are the same markets that went absolutely bonkers during the so, pandemic like austin and boise idaho and stuff like that places you didn't expect so they needed a little correction <laughs> well i think the, i think the thing and and you know this i know this because this is what we do um but but the but we gotta we gotta educate folks as well in 2008 which i lived through this crazy industry there were over four million homes on the market four million four million That's Right now, there's less than 890,000 and 60% yeah. of those are new construction and about 40% of those are already under contract, which means you really only have about 500,000 homes to truly sell Correct. and you have about three and a half or four times as many or more people than you did in 2008 because of population growth. So yep. again, listening to the guys that are selling, that sells, I get it. But the truth of the matter of it is, if you're in what we're in and you do this every day, it doesn't take a, a rocket science to, to look around and be like, there's not a tremendous amount of inventory. There is a tremendous amount of demand. I track all of my leads. We get about 25, and I'm one person, and I have a little small team in Baton Rouge. But we get about 25 to 30 applications a week, a week, 100 leads a month. 
one person in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So if, if, I, if, if I had 25 a month, I would say, yeah, there's a demand problem and a supply problem. Right now, there's a major demand. There's a very limited amount of, of supply. And then again, hey, I think you're spot on. If you looked at it nationally, yeah, you're going to have some markets, but there's nothing different than in the past, right? You always have some markets are booming, some markets are not, right? You, you're just going to have that. That's that's real estate. Yep. And the ones that went up the highest, the fastest are the ones that are seeing the biggest decline the fastest. Amen. Amen. Alex says, uh, what is a rate buyback and when is it worth it? Yeah, so maybe maybe Alex, you're speaking of a of a rate buy down, right? And so mm -hmm. here's here's what I can tell you about that. If today's interest rate, let's say tomorrow, the thirty year fixed rate is at six percent, you can and, and you're buying a three hundred thousand dollar house, you can pay. Typically, it's one percent of the loan amount to save a half a percent on rate. So if I paid three grand, I could get it to a five and a half percent interest rate. Okay. Now, when is it worth it? That's a that's an awesome question. Here's the here's the truth. Depends on how long you're going to stay in the house. If you're going to sell the house, like I'm dealing with a physician right now, he's going to be here two and a half years. It doesn't make sense for him to buy the rate down because over the next two and a half years, he's not going to be able to recoup enough savings to make that make sense. If you're going to be in the house, hey, I'm going to be there five years, Ryan. I love this place. And it makes sense. And your break even is three and a half years, then do it. Um, a lot of these companies really want you to buy the rate down a bunch because they are making some money on that buy down. Um, the, the, the caution on the buy down is this. If I spent two percent uh, or bought it down let's say it cost me six grand to buy it down a full percentage point but in a year from now i refinance because rates drop then you didn't win so you got to be careful i always tell people don't really buy it down probably more than about a a one percent buy down you can typically recoup uh enough in in your in your refinance in order to do that that's my answer there a good one kelly Hahn with a ten dollar super, super chat. chat thank you so much i appreciate you supporting super the channel it's always so nice people are so good to me you know i have to tell you something ryan i have the best real estate audience in the world <laughs> like, i believe it i've seen that i've seen that <laughs> i mean there's a, there's lots of people that do live streams about real estate but i have to tell you my group of people that come in week after week to ask their questions are the nicest kindest and they're like they have little conversations i don't know you probably can't see the chat but on the right hand side there's the chat and they're talking to each other and they know each other and they have their little inside jokes with each other. Like it's such a great group of people. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Many, I love them too. I love it. So tell me, tell me how many folks we got watching today. How many folks we got? Oh, we creeped up to just under 500. So we were at like uh four, four seventy nine, I think for like, I think that's what the, where we topped off, but it's been sitting around four fifty ever since. Awesome. Awesome. I know, I know. Uh, uh, Alara Broad says, a question, please explain reverse mortgages. Ooh, explain yeah. those. I'd be happy to explain them. So um, a lot of people think on a reverse mortgage, the house has to be paid off to do a reverse mortgage. That's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, you do have to be 62 years old or older. And typically it's your age minus 10. So if you're 62 minus 10, 
50% loan to value is about all you can get. So let's say that the house is worth $200,000. Let's say it is paid off and you're on a fixed income and you want to do a reverse mortgage to be able to, to keep up with living expenses and just enjoy your golden years. Then you can basically get about a hundred thousand dollars out on that house. that's worth 200,000 and you can never make a payment back. All you do is take care of your own taxes and insurance. Okay. The other thing, let's say you owed $100,000 on the house. And let's say the house is worth 200000 You are still the same 62 years old. You could do a reverse mortgage and it would cancel out the mortgage payment on what you had to pay back. And you would just take care of your own taxes and insurance. So it is a, an option out there. Um, and, and look, it's good for certain scenarios. If you don't have like, Somebody doesn't have any kids. Somebody doesn't want to, hey, or, or they do have kids and they're like, look, mom, dad, y'all taking care of me. I don't want anything to do with the house. Do a reverse mortgage on it if you're in a financial pickle and you're having trouble keeping up with the day-to-day -day living expenses. That's typically why most people would do a reverse mortgage. I just saw that Eddie put that comment you just uh, had. This is how awesome my, my audience is. Third week in a row that I napped. This is the only stream I will go back and watch from the beginning when it's over. All right. Go ahead. Told you, man. I'm telling you, I have the best. I have the yeah. best people. They're so good to me. Awesome. <laughs> Would you put your mom in a reverse mortgage, though? That's the question. Would you do it for your family? I have done it for several of my family members. Absolutely. Uh, okay, because people find them to be risky. They're they're nervous that it's risky and that they're going to give the when their family member passes away that it ends up going back to the bank and they never get any. Um, repair, you know, like they don't get any money from the house. Yeah. So is that they, true? They, that is not true. They did mm -hmm. get a bad rap for a long time. They are backed by FHA, which makes it a, what they call a non-recourse mortgage. So here's the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, if I did one for my mom, my mom passes away. My mom owes $150,000 on a house that's worth 200,000. I have that option to either get that house by either refinancing it or buying it, however I want to do it. Okay. I could sell the house. I could do whatever, but I do have an opportunity to, to do what I want to do with the house. If I said, you know what? I don't, it's, I just don't even want to mess with it. You can walk away from it. They cannot come after any of the family or family members or anything like that. So mm -hmm. in the past 20, 30 years ago, when they were with, they were not, uh, non-recourse mortgage. They didn't have any insurance to protect that. They they did have some some bad raps, but that is a it's a different animal in today's world. Um, you know, I, I I have done some for several family members. I can tell you, it's not a one size fits all, and it's not good for everybody. So, well, there you go. Will Major wants a shout out, so we're shouting out. There you go, Will Major. You're shouting out. What's up, Will? <laughs> All right, we're we are sitting right at an hour here. It says Emily Green has a question though. What are your options for low-income poor people with a bankruptcy on their record and bad credit seeking to buy a property? I mean, that would depend on so many things, right? It would depend typically, on the, how long they've been out of bankruptcy. Typically, right? two yeah, typically two years out of BK, two years out of bankruptcy. Uh, credit score really doesn't. I mean, look, we go all the way down to a five eighty credit score. But I've helped tons of people that, you know, we initially started talking. Uh, a lot of people just don't have good sound advice on what to do to get their score going back in the right direction. We've helped tons of people get their score back moving in the right direction and help them down the road. But typically two years is the magical number 
outside of a chapter seven or chapter 13 bankruptcy in order to be able to purchase a mortgage. Yeah. I've, I've actually had clients that were, you've, you've actually closed them that were out yeah. of bankruptcy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Luz has a question. If uh, we're moving out of state, but would like to rent our, out our manufacturing home, do we have to change the loan? You do not. You do not. So if you own a house and you want to rent it out, hey, I want to rent it out and go buy another one. You just have to have, you know, proof that the new house that you're moving to is going to be your primary, but you don't have to change the loan. The problem would come in is if you were to go buy a house and you were going to tell me or anybody that, hey, I'm going to live in it, but it's really going to be a rental or vice versa. That's where you get a little sticky. But once you bought it and you treat it as your primary residence for more than 12 months or so, then then you're free to, to do what you need to do there. Had a had a guy that uh, bought a foreclosure and said that he was going to be using that as his primary residence and he did not. Yeah, that's not good. No, told him that every time that he's done it, but I don't work with him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maria D has a question. Help me decide if I should sell my small rental single family house for the three bedroom, two bath. Um, I have foolish. Am I foolish not to hang on to it for, for a few more years considering the housing shortage and probable rising prices? Boy, that would, you have to sit with a financial advisor on that one. You, you know, I don't know. I, would tell I, you I have what, some three bedroom, two baths that I'm holding on to. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think everybody's situation is different, right? right? I mean, look, if you got one or two or in your entire headache or, you know, what's your long short term and long term goal? Do I think right now you could sell it for a premium? I do um, just because of lack of inventory, you know, and then some people are like, man, I'm just tired of messing with this stuff. I want to take it from residential and roll it into you know, commercial or rolling to something else. I, I don't know. Everybody's got a different situation. I want to sell it and pay off all my debt and be debt free. Okay, that's cool too. Um, if you like the cash flow, keep it for cash flow. If you're tired of messing with it, make a premium and, and roll it into something else uh, or, or or do something that you need to pay off some debt or something. Yeah. <laughs> they are work though. Yeah. Um, Eddie, you just had that question up, bud. Eddie put the same question up twice. <laughs> He was probably looking for an article to throw up on the screen. Serenity Cow says, is there any company today that is has home building kits like Sears ship the kit and build it in 90 days? Yes, there is a home company called Zip Kit Homes. They do uh, shipping, but I believe they're only on the West Coast. There's also another one that's called the Armchair Builder. They do some, uh, they only have, I think they only have one plan, but um, they have that. Um, yeah, there's lots of companies. You just got to look for them. I will tell you, if you do anything like that, if it says prefab modular, make sure that, that it meets the building code in your area, because just because it says prefab modular, it may not meet your specific code in your specific area. Um, and if you're working with a contractor that's going to be putting that together, make sure that they understand what the code needs to be brought up for that specific kit that you're putting together. Just FYI. Um, GSX Excellence. GSX. Boy, that's hard to say. Okay. I said it once. <laughs> Literally, I'm a medical student that travels like a, uh, like a traveling nurse. And I can bring uh, bring anywhere from 70000 to 100000 a year. Why is it so hard for me to get pre-approved for a loan? Yeah, the the traveling the traveling thing is is become a big deal over the last couple of years. Um, the reason why it's hard 
you know, you walk, go work for a hospital. They're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Even if you, hey, I just got out of school, I'm going to work for the hospital. Most of the time, it's a little bit more consistent to where contract to contract to contract, but we close them all the time. You just have to be inside of a contract. You can't be in between contracts in order to get able to get financing, but, but we can help you with that. We've, we've helped plenty of folks like that before. Anytime that you have like a contracted work, it's always more difficult. Yeah. Being a, like a real estate agent, it's even difficult sometimes, you know, cause your, your incomes waivers with the market. So anyway, Noreen says a question recommendation for a single family, uh, single folks over 60 continue to rent or buy it with a 30 year mortgage. If a mortgage is cheaper, you go ahead and buy. My dad got a mortgage. As a matter of fact, GMFS did the mortgage. <laughs> Your buddy did it. Bickley uh, yeah. did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad walked out of that uh, closing. He said, I'm nearly 80 years old and they gave me a 30-year mortgage. He said, they have high hopes. I'm like, dad, they have to. No age discrimination. Yeah. That makes your payment cheaper and your life less expensive. You get that 30-year mortgage. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what, uh, we got another $2 super chat from my friend, Ryan. All right, good. What, what should I uh, be wary of with a condo or townhome HOAs? I would always check their restrictions. I would find out how much they have gone up per year. Um, and I would talk to the residents that live there. Not the ones that they, not the ones that they want you to talk to. Find the ones that are like walking in the parking lot and say, hey, hey, what do you think of this place? How's it going? You know, like, is the HOA a pain in the rear end? Tell me something. Yeah, oh, like look them over with a time uh, fine tooth comb. Sometimes those HOAs will go up, you know, two times a year, three times a year. Find out how much they go up per year. Yeah. yeah. And townhomes are easier to get financed than condos. We do a ton of condos, but townhomes, you actually own the dirt. The condo, you don't. So you got to make sure that they're not heavy investor. Hey, one investor owns 70% of the condo. That could make it exceptionally hard to get financing. Um, but, but yeah, that's a great point. And find out too when the last time they had or if they've had any special assessments because those those can get super expensive as well. Yeah, the, if, if the condos not approved for FHA, I'd say walk away. Yeah. <laughs> the, that, that, that was a rhyme. It should be a little limerick. I can make one out there. <laughs> uh, we got a question. It says, I own my own home. Uh, applied for a job overseas, three years residency requirement. What is the process for getting a new loan for a smaller property? property to keep uh to keep my things in while i rent my primary um you know you just gotta you just gotta we can say that uh there's we're making a move so i'm, I'm here right now i'm going over here i mean that's 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 believable you know what's not mm -hmm. believable to an underwriter is is i live in a three hundred thousand dollar house and i'm gonna go buy a hundred thousand dollar house to be my primary residence and oh, by the way, that primary house that I'm about to call the $100,000 primary is right around the corner, like a mile away. They're not going to believe that. But, hey, I'm going, you know, from whatever, Louisiana, I'm moving to Texas. My, my job transferred me here. I'm, I'm downsizing to go make it, you know, more affordable for me. That's that's more realistic. And what are you going to do with the other house, Ryan? I'm going to rent that one out. That's OK. But sometimes it's just got to make sense to the underwriter. So you got to tell the story and you got to be you know, forthcoming with all the information, but that's not a out of the uh, ordinary scenario there. Uh, Triathlete New York has another question. It says, aren't HOA fees not something that's uh, recommendable? 
recommendable if you're buying a home. When I bought my first home, I didn't have any, and that was thankful. I was so thankful, your thoughts. All right, so I'm gonna tell you a story, and this is a true story. I moved to Louisiana, bought a brand new house in a neighborhood that did not have an HOA. And everybody in the neighborhood was like, thank God there's no HOA. Three years later, I could not wait to sell that freaking house because people were parking up on the grass. They had boats sitting out on the road. I couldn't see my kids riding their bikes up and down the road. You had people that had their yards weren't mowed. You had people that didn't weed their flower beds. You had people that had all sorts of crazy stuff in their backyard. And then, you know, like all sorts of weird additions. And there was nothing we could do about it. And my next door neighbor would allow their kids to park their cars on the grass of the front, front lawn. They would park their cars on the grass on the front lawn. I was like, this is disgusting. These houses are four years old and these people are acting like, like this is craziness. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I was like, yeah. I cannot wait to sell this house. Somebody knocked on my door and asked if they could buy it. I'm like, yes, yes, you can. And I rented for six months because I was waiting for this house to be built because I couldn't wait to get out of that neighborhood. I was like, if they want to buy it, it's pretty much sight on scene. You, you can have this house. Get me out right. of here. Yeah. Like I would never, ever, ever do it again. But I can see, I've seen the opposite side too, where the HOA is crazy. They get you for fines on your um, garage door being up and your flags being too big or your flags being too small. And God forbid you have a, a, a decoration out for Easter and it's three days after Easter and they give you a fine for that. I, I mean, there's always bad cases and good cases for an HOA. So I just, I would always say check with the neighbors and if, and check with the neighbors, they didn't tell you to check with, check with some other neighbors. Right. <laughs> what do you say, Ryan? No, I, I agree. I think, I think you have some that are overboard, but I mean, I, honestly, I, the neighborhood I live in here, we have an HOA. Uh, is it aggravating sometimes? Yes. But, but I knew what I was getting when I signed up, you know, and I think that's the big thing you got to know, drive around before you buy in a neighborhood, see what you see, drive it at different times. I mean, it is an investment for God's sake. This is not something I'm, I'm not buying a pencil or a pack of gum. So you need to do your homework, go drive it, look at it. And, and if it looks, looks rough, then it's probably not a very good HOA. If the neighborhood looks good, it's probably a pretty tight HOA, which does get aggravating. Yes, if I if my son forgets to pick up the, the garbage can or something like that, then and it's been out there for 24 hours, you're going to get a notice. But you knew that before you signed out, signed up for it. So uh, I think those are all things that, uh, as an investment standpoint, some people are overboard with it. Yes, but for the most part, I, I, I like. I'm a fan of the HOA. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> Try a super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Super chat. Thank you. Triathlete New York says with a 499 super chat. Thank you so much. I appreciate you supporting our channel here. This is my, I told you my people are really good. We, we did creep up to 500 again, by the way. Right. Alex says that uh, with a $10 super, super chat. chat. Yeah. Another one. Super See, I told you best audience super in the world. Whiz, killing it today. <laughs> All because we're just doing what we love to do, which is give out information just yep. to help people find their next home. Uh, Triathlete has another question, though. Uh, I live in Houston in my home for 17 years. And and let me tell you, there's not 
they were not afraid to go around and give you a citation if you're not keeping up par, uh, up to par. And that, and yeah, I know. Yeah, when the HOAs, yep. <laughs> when they're driving around, I yep. I got a notification because we left the garage door open when we oh, yeah. moved into here. Yeah. And I'm like, I had kids that were riding their bikes. So they would leave the garage door open so they can come in and out of the garage because we have a refrigerator in the garage. So right. that's where they get their popsicles and their drinks and all that stuff because I didn't want them trapling through the house. And of course, the garage door is up. I'm like, find me. I'll, I'll pay it. It's worth yeah. it to get those kids yeah. out of my hair. Get them out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We, we, we took over our association though. Our, our association was run by a company. Right. And we, and we took it back because they were, we, we had a little, uh, we had a little ashes, you know, you know how that works. <laughs> yes. I, I just realized he and Matthew, Matthew McConaughey sound the same. <laughs> Ryan. I, I get that every single day. If somebody would find him for me and just let him know that Ryan is cool with doing some voiceovers, I would love it. I, I promise you, I hear that every day over the phone. It's something about my voice over the phone. <laughs> he, and, you know, he never calls me by my first name on the phone. This is what he does. He goes, small horn. Small horn. What's going on? All right. Small all right. Horn. All right. Small horn. Let's go. And when I answer the phone, I go, what? What do you want? Yeah, do you want? That's not a lie. I really do do that. <laughs> I'm awful. Well, if you guys are just catching this on the back end, I want you to know that this this uh, is actually recorded on a podcast. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can go to Real Estate for Everyone Everywhere, basically, with Christina Smallhorn. All these episodes are uh, uploaded on a Monday morning, and you'll get it right away. So if you miss this, you can listen to it as a podcast on your way to work. Also, if you if you missed it and you wanted to ask a question, you can put it in the chat afterwards. There, The comment section will be open at the bottom. You can go ahead and ask your questions there. I try to get to most of them. If you need to get a hold of Ryan, though, with Ryan with GMFS Lending, he has all of his contact information on his YouTube channel. Look right there. Ryan LaRussa, he, every once in a while, he'll put a video out there. I've been trying to get him to go guys, do uh, more uh, more uh, content on the old YouTubes. But, uh, you know, Ryan's a busy dude. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a YouTube star. Do you, Ryan? I would love to, I would love to, you know, add value in any way I can, but uh, look, honestly, you know, I love what I do and I know it's a super important, you know, you just kind of get in your zone and do what you do, but uh, whatever I can do to help you and any of your, your audience, Eddie's amazing making this thing happen. And you, you guys have graciously allowed me to come back. I don't know, a couple of times now, anytime you need something, you want me to come back and be honored to. Yeah, well, anytime usually the Fed comes up with something crazy that makes everybody go wild. You're always the voice of reason that I love having on here because you always kind of like you uh, you tamper down. Like, you know how like the Fed always likes to say tamper down. You tamper down all the nonsense. That's what I've been I love doing it Fed. for a long time. 20, 20 years. I've heard of a lot of crazy stuff. So we, 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 we can figure it out. So if you're looking for a real estate agent in your area, I know that I'm in Louisiana, but I'm actually connected with thousands of real estate agents across the country. All you have to do to reach me is to go to my website, click on one of the pink buttons, any of them, and it will take you to a referral form. Once you click that button, please fill out the whole entire referral form, including your phone number. Yes, I personally, me, Christina Smallhorn, called you on the phone so we could talk about your real estate needs and the real estate agent that you're looking for in your specific area. If I can't find you one, I'll let you know that too. <laughs> if I don't know somebody, I will tell you, sorry, I don't have anybody for you. But if I have somebody, I will let you know. And I love, that's my way of giving back to you as um, 
my supporters to the channel is to help you find a really good real estate agent. Because, you know, I know, I know I'm a real estate agent and there's some kooky ones out there. I'm only going to connect you with the best. That's for sure. So I want to say thank you to our moderators today for spending so much time with us. It was way over an hour. And I want to say thank you to Ryan for spending time with us, but it wasn't over an hour for you because you were late. <laughs> But you knew I was going to be late. I told you that. I know. I told everybody at the beginning too, but I love giving you guff because that's what I do. That's what you do. <laughs> so thank you, Eddie, for being the guy, the man behind the camera that no one ever sees. And uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, everybody in the chat. Thank you, all my moderators. Thank you to our super chatters today, man. Yeah, our super were, chatters took over. Took over they, they dominated. They dominated. I like people supporting the channel to be is the best. I have the best audience in the world. I'm very thankful to each and every one of you that spends your week with me. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. I will be taking off. Just let you know, I'm not going to be here for Mother's Day. See y'all guys. I'm awesome. going to make my kids spend time with me. Thanks so much. <laughs> you going to dance?